brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Radical Fundamental Principles of Freedom Rational Self-Interest and Individual Rights this is the Yaron Brooks Show. All right, everybody, welcome to Yaron Brooks Show. And this, uh, what is it? It's Thursday, last day of February. It's one of those years where you get an extra day. Always need an extra day. I like it when they extend my life like that. So, an extra day this year. February 29th. I know some people have their birthday on February 29th. So, they only get to celebrate it <laughs> sometimes, every few years. All right, uh, ooh, let us let us just jump in. Um, as um, we've talked about before, we've talked about this immunity case that uh, that uh, you know Trump is claiming, uh, it, it, trying to dismiss the criminal allegations against him, both for the January sixth case and for the documents case. Uh, He's using an argument of presidential immunity, the idea that while he's president, he's immune from being prosecuted for criminal action. The opposition is saying, or the Justice Department is saying, no, 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 Uh, you you can't be prosecuted while you're president, but after you're president, if your actions were not taken in the role of president, that is, decisions were not decisions that related to decisions appropriate for the president of the United States, but decisions made uh, as as somebody running for president, decision made in your personal life, decision made to hold on to documents, decision made after your presidency to hold on to documents that you weren't supposed to, and then lying about it and hiding those documents and lying to the uh, FBI, all of that. Uh, uh, Justice Department saying, no, you can't be immune to that. That would be ridiculous. And that is... That is uh, the debate. Anyway, the, the, the uh, Trump, uh, Trump uh, appealed uh, this to the district court. The district court ruled uh, in a 3-0 decision. Uh, the no presidential immunity does not, uh, it, 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 they do not accept the expansive interpretation of the uh, immunity. If you remember during those hearings for that, the... Um, the um, Lawyers for Trump suggested that even if a president ordered the uh, execution of a political rival in the United States, uh, he cannot be prosecuted for that. Uh, that that is not a, because uh, immunity would cover that. The justices seem to beg to differ and ruled against him. Well, uh, it was then appealed to the Supreme Court, and there was some question whether the Supreme Court would take the case or whether they would just. Um, accept the uh, district court's ruling, which is what I expected they would do, or exactly what it would do. Uh, Part of the issue here is timing. Uh, The prosecution would like to get this case done before the election. Trump would like to get this court, this case done, even if it is done, he'd like to get dismissed, but if it's done after the election, and then he can tell the Justice Department to walk away from the case, or during the election, and if he gets elected, he can kind of pardon himself. Uh, what he doesn't want to do is get into a position where he's uh, found guilty, can appeal, uh, and uh, and even if he wins the election, has to go to jail. I mean, scenarios are mind-boggling in terms of what the possibilities are. 
Anyway, timing, I guess, is important uh, in order to run the trial and give him time to appeal and everything before the election. That now does not seem like it's possible because the Supreme Court yesterday decided to take the case. Uh, hearings, uh, it will hear the case on April 22nd, so that's already a month uh, delayed. The court, the, the, the trial itself is already frozen until a decision is made, until a decision is made. And, um, you know, and then, uh, and then they'll have to make a decision and they might make it fast or they might make it slow. The Supreme Court itself has, has acknowledged that timing here is important. The Supreme Court itself has acknowledged that, recognizes that. That's why they gave it an April 22nd date. If they hadn't, they would have delayed this into uh, way late in the court proceedings, much later than April, uh, and maybe to a different term because it's pretty late in the term already. The, 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 the cases that they're hearing now were accepted onto the Supreme Court docket in the past. The reason it's relevant is that he, Trump might win the election and you don't want the trial happening while he's president. And I think the Supreme Court recognizes that, that it is relevant to the prosecution. So um, anyway, it, it's going to be interesting how the court rules. Two websites, for example, you know, one website says Supreme Court decision might not help Donald Trump after all. Another headline, the Supreme Court just handed Trump an astonishing victory. <laughs> so much for the rule of law. <laughs> so you get it across the board. You get the left panicking, the right panicking, the middle panicking. Uh, it's very hard to get any kind of objectivity out of this. I'm just going to say I'm going to stick to my opinion, and that is that overall, the Supreme Court will not rule that Donald Trump has immunity. Uh, it will it will rule by I think a significant majority, maybe seven to two or six to three, uh, that he does not have the, the immunity does not cover uh, the items that he's uh, accused of. They might say you can appeal afterwards claiming immunity on these specifics, but uh, it, there's no blanket immunity over these things. The trial should go on, go ahead, and then you can appeal. Uh, and I, th- I also think they'll expedite their decision while they'll release, while they'll hear arguments on April 22nd. The same thing happened in the Colorado case. They're going to expedite the decision, right? They heard the case quickly, and they're going to expedite the decision quickly because anything that has to, it, where it, it's relevant for an election, uh, they're going to try and hear quickly and try to make a decision quickly and try to take certain issues off the table. Uh, so I think. They'll make a decision quickly, probably here in May. Maybe it'll slip into June, but probably in May. It depends on how big the majority is. If there is a majority, you know, it depends on what the ruling is and then how big the majority is. But, um, yes, I I still think the Supreme Court will rule. uh, And maybe this is the opportunity to make—this is why they took the case, is to make a definitive case about the boundaries of immunity. But we will will see, and uh, I think the— trial will go ahead. It'll probably start this summer in July. Whether they can complete the trial before the, ele- before the election, hard to tell. These elections take a long time. And, um, and, and, tr- and, uh, and Trump, of course, um, as soon as he becomes president, if he wins, uh, will immediately withdraw, you know, dismiss the force, the Justice Department, dismiss the case. Uh, and pardon himself, just for safe measure, if if there's any issues uh, relevant to that. Um, yeah, it, it, the whole thing is interesting. But then what's really interesting is the fact that Republicans want Trump to be their nominee. That, that I think, is the most interesting thing, in spite of all this stuff. All right. Uh, yeah, government shutdown. Just a government shutdown update. Uh, it looks like Republicans, it looks like the Speaker of the House, Mike J- Johnson, will uh, put before the House a, uh, a measure to keep the government open for a few more days, uh, basically uh, March 22nd. Uh, it, it, so fund the, those departments of the government who are running out of funding next week and those that were running out of funding the week after that. And said, so have uh, w- what they call a partial uh, you know, partial funding bill 
uh, to run a stopgap measure. They call it a short-term stopgap measure uh, to run through March 22nd. Uh, one of the things that uh, Johnson ran on when he ran to be the Speaker of the House was uh, his view that the House should never pass these stopgap measures, that it was a default in the responsibility, that he would never bring a stopgap measure to the floor, and that uh, they should take up the proper adult responsibility of the legislature and pass budgets. Well, this is like, what, the third stopgap measure that, uh, that Johnson has already passed in spite of his camp- not nonsensical campaign rhetoric. Uh, a number of Republicans will vote against this. It'll be interesting to see if a majority of Republicans vote against it or not. But it will pass because almost all Democrats will vote for it. Then you can expect uh, later in March a series of budgetary bills, if they get their act together, uh, to be brought in front of the House to uh, try, uh, you know, to try to um, uh, to try to actually pass budgets. Uh, there's also a question of will Will Johnson, Mike Johnson, survive all of this? If you remember, the previous uh, Speaker of the House w- was was kicked out by the Republicans because he did stopgap measures because he relied on passage of budgetary issues on Democrats. So will he survive? Nobody knows. I mean, this is just continuation of the 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 the, the, the really the. Uh, absurdity of uh, House Republicans and their incompetence and their lack of any principles. It's, you know, it would be one thing if they were fighting for a principle and they were going to shut down the government for a principle. I'd be all for that. But there's no principle here. There's no reason they're doing any of this other than political. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so they, they will pass a budget. They won't shut down the government. It's an election year after all. Everything is politics. They don't believe in anything, these people. And the stuff they actually do believe in is really, really bad. So I hope the Republicans fail on the stuff they really, really do believe in. Uh, let's see, what else did we Oh, yeah, and then, of course, there still is the issue of the Ukraine-Israel-Taiwan aid bill uh, and whether that will be even brought to the floor or whether they can circumvent the Speaker of the House and bring it to the fore in spite of him and all the politicking and negotiations and, and, and arm-twisting and uh, bootlicking that is going on in the background to try to get that one done. Again, uh, a Republican House that has, what, a three-member majority, a good chance that they lose that majority, even that three-member majority in, uh, in 2024, they are so, I mean, this majority is so incompetent, is getting nothing uh, uh, in their agenda really done. Uh, and, but it's not even that they're creating some kind of stalemate in government that is causing spending to be cut, like like previous uh, Republican majorities in the House where they didn't have the Senate or the presidency. They're basically mainly spending most of the time squabble, squabbling, 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 between each other, that is, within the Republican Party, over BS, I think is the technical term, not over anything important or anything relevant or anything substantive in terms of the role of government, in terms of government spending, in terms of programs the government should support uh, versus others. All right. um, I know almost nobody wants this story, and certainly nobody wants to acknowledge it and, and recognize it. But I keep coming back to it and it keeps popping up in my feed because it's true. <laughs> uh, and the story is that the U.S. economy is doing OK. It, it's doing far better than expected, far better than most people think. Uh, and it's actually doing, uh, you know, well, the, the final quarter of last year, the economy grew over 3%. The, the numbers have just been uh, uh, adjusted downwards a little bit, but it's still over 3%, which is significant uh, a, uh, uh, on a quarterly basis. Um, I mean, it's on an annual basis, but in that quarter, it grew over 3%. The U.S. economy is growing at the same rate or maybe even a little faster as the greatest economy ever in human history under Donald Trump was growing. 
But more than that, if, if you look at the long-term statistics, all the things people constantly are complaining about. Right now, the big complaint is millennials. Millennials have no opportunities. They're not going to be as rich as previous generations. They're the poorest generation. Nothing's going, you know, it's just horrible economy for millennials. That is, there's a huge generational wealth disparity. And because the economy basically has sucked for the last few years, the idea is the millennials are behind dramatically. Well, economist Jeremy Hoppendahl has looked at gener- generational wealth, right? So wealth minus liabilities, not, not just your plus side, but also the liabilities, because the big, the big issue is everybody claims, oh, no, the millennials have massive credit card debt, they have student loans, they have all this stuff, and they can't get good jobs, and their jobs suck, and they make very little income, and therefore their wealth is down, and, and they're screwed. Millennials are schools. Well, it turns out, it turns out. That if you take everything into account and you do the net wealth, millenniums are uh, not the poorest and unluckiest generation in American history. Quite the opposite, it turns out. It turns out that uh, millenniums have dramatically more wealth than Gen X has had at the same age. And of course, Gen X has had dramatically more wealth than the previous generation, dramatically more wealth than the boomers had at their age. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults, with zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Age, And indeed, the graph is up. Every generation in America, it's still true, the American dream in that sense is still alive. Every generation in America has more wealth, net, of debt. It's just not true. No house, no this, as if they can't, as if that is not calculated. It just not True. You might be poor, but that is your, you know, you. As a generation, as a group, the millenniums are richer, have more assets, have more equity, have more net wealth than any generation before at that age. So stop feeling sorry for yourself. And if you're not keeping up, then introspect and figure out why. Maybe it's you, not some systemic thing that is affecting everybody in your code. Now, granted, it could be much, 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 much better, but it's just not true. Now, what about income? Right? Is it, is it, is it the case that income is still up? Maybe they've got wealth because, I don't know, they've got inheritance or something like that, but income is still stagnated or down. All these studies take into account housing and they take into account everything else. So, uh, it, it, you know, housing inflation is basically uh, almost non-existent if you, if you move to uh, Dallas or Houston or the Midwest or many, many, many places. Yeah, it's very expensive in California, very expensive in New York. You don't have to live there. And the reality is, that income is going up in New York and in, in, in California. It, it, the income in California and New York is much higher than it is. Income in the West Coast is much higher than it is in the West, in the West Coast. It's, but you're giving up something by living in the West Coast. Housing is going to be expensive. Okay, move. Um, all right, uh, if you, so what about income? So the American Enterprise Institute's Kevin Corinth, American Enterprise Institute, not, exact, not exactly a socialist, Organization and economist Jeff Laramore looked at income levels at generations in a variety of ways. They find that each of the past four generations had higher inflation-adjusted incomes than did the previous generation. They find that this trend doesn't seem to be driven by any other factors like women joining the workforce or single or multifamily incomes. So it's just not true. 
that in the 1970s and 80s, one income could generate enough income for people to own a home and raise a family and all that stuff. And today you need two incomes. No. Even when adjusting for two income households versus one income households, people today are making more money. And indeed, you know, the statistics about married couples and single owners and all of that in the 70s, 80s are not as favorable to the argument as people might think. So the reality is income and wealth are going up. Again, not an excuse to say the economy couldn't be like growing at double the rate, that your income and wealth couldn't be dramatically, not a little bit higher. You know, people look at, people say, yes, but as, as Edward says, yeah, but it's so much more expensive to raise a family these days. Well, another report by Angela Ricciti. This is, by the way, from an article in Reason magazine by, um, by uh, v- uh, Veronique de Rougy. Not exactly a leftist, but more of a free market type, right? Oh, what the hell? Come on, my computer's giving me problems. Anyway, uh, Angela Rashidi uh, looks at whether decline in marriage, fertility, and the increase in my computer, in um, and the increase in out of wedlock childbirths are the result of economic hardship. She finds that contrary to the prevailing narrative, I'm quoting, household and family level income show growth in recent decades after accounting for taxes and transfers. Not only that, but, quote, the cost of raising a family, including housing, childcare, and higher education costs, all that have gone up, have not grown substantially over the past several decades that they indicate an affordability crisis. So all the pessimism, all the negativity, all the bitching and complaining by young people that they can't get ahead, you're hearing the bitching and complaining of the young people who are not getting ahead. There's always people who are not getting ahead. And there's always the group that's not. But the reality is, the reality is um, that the economy is doing well. People who have jobs, people who work are doing well. Indeed, uh, people in, uh, in blue-collar jobs are doing better than white-collar jobs in terms of income growth, at least in the last few, in the last um, uh, eight years or so, seven, eight years or so. But generally, again, genera- the millennials are doing fine. The millennials, inflation is elevated and income growth is, you know, pretty much right, right there with inflation. You know, that's what the numbers show. You can emote that that's not how you feel. And all of the economic pessimism is really grounded primarily in people's emotion or uh, or localized experiences. But the reality is that income is matching inflation. Income growth is matching inflation. Uh, And certainly has, if you take a perspective of a decade or, or longer periods of time. Uh, you know, and this doesn't take into account, of course, it doesn't get, take into account the vast increases in technology, which improves quality and standard of life, which are not measured by any economic measure. The fact that you can access all the music in the world, the fact that you can stream all the movies, the fact that you can use your telecommunication device at a marginal cost of zero, the fact that you can search anything you want, or the fact that you can ask ChatGPT for their biased opinion about a variety of different things, that doesn't even come in to any of this wealth calculation. This is just money, just things economists can measure. Millenniums are doing fine. All right, um, Let's see. So, yeah, we should strive to make things better. Uh, and, and maybe it's hard to make things much better when basically things are okay. 
maybe 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 it does indeed need to get to the depths of Argentina uh, to be able uh, to get somebody who is actually going to engage in a program that makes things dramatically better. Let's hope not. Let's hope we can uh, move things uh, towards the better without having to get to the depths of real despair, not the imagined despair of, of some people. Uh, one other thing about housing inflation. Um, you know, there's nothing to say that you need to own a home. I, 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 you know, the whole idea of home ownership as this measure of success is, is I think, unfortunate. Uh, there's nothing wrong with renting. And uh, under certain circumstances, there's certain advantages to renting. So uh, it, it, the cost of homes, although the cost of housing, which includes rent, is, it should be calculated. But the actual cost of buying a home is not the only way in which to think about these kind of things. Colt Savage says he's with me on my analysis. Thanks, Colt Savage. It's the second show you've showed up in. Uh, Colt actually popped in on my show in Hebrew and said, Shalom, I, I, I didn't know he could write in Hebrew. It's, uh, it was pretty cool. All right. Um, God, every day you wake up and look at the headlines, or I wake up and look at the headlines, I don't know about you guys, and there's some headline about 29,836 deaths in Gaza, or today, more than 100 killed as crowds wait for aid, Hamas-run health ministry says. That's not bad because that's a fairly... You know, uh, killed by whom, one might ask. How did they die? Uh, it's good. This is at the BBC. I'm shocked. Uh, uh, you know, typically a BBC headline would be more than 100 killed by Israelis as crowd waits for aid, Hamas-run health ministry says. Maybe they'd even skip the Hamas-run health ministry says or put it in a footnote. Uh, but now they don't even blame it on Israel yet. They're waiting to see maybe what the facts are. That's a change. That's a change. Um, so I, I, I give them credit for that. But, it, but it's constant, right, uh, in terms of the death toll and how many numbers. Now, the latest is that Israel has killed more than 30,000. And that's like a big number, 30,000. Wow, there must be a war crime. They've killed 30,000 Palestinians. And it's, it's just absurd. It's not a numbers game. You know, there's no standard by which if you kill three, that's okay, we're fine. But if you kill 5,000, that's not. But when you kill 10,000, that's okay again. And uh, you know what? What's the calculation? How do you do this? Is it a percentage of the population? Is it, I mean, this is really the only war that I can think of. Maybe there are others. I'm sure there probably are others. Where the population is held consciously, purposefully, as human shields. It's the only war that I can recall right now where hospitals are used as bases for command and control. It's the only war in which schools, where rockets are being launched from schools. It's the only, it's the only war where there are explicit hostages, not prisoners of war held in a camp, right? I mean, why aren't the Palestinians, why isn't Hamas following the Geneva Conventions? And why, goddammit, why isn't a single international organization condemning Hamas for not fulfilling the, 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 the conventions, the, the war crime conventions? Israel has to. But why aren't these hostages held as prisoners of war? Why are they even held? Most of them are not soldiers. So why isn't, why isn't there a death count, an ongoing death count of how many Ukrainians, civilians, the Russians have killed? But here, every day, you get a number, as if it indicates something, as if it means anything. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, Israel has done more to try to avoid civilian casualties in this war than any military force has ever done in any place ever in all of history. More than even the Americans did during the Iraq war. And that was already ridiculous. And who suffers because Israel does so much to protect Palestinian lives? Israeli soldiers, Israeli mothers and fathers, Israeli spouses, Israeli children, 
that are losing their sons, their husbands, their fathers. And yet there's a daily count. And the daily count, by the way, is produced by, oh, that completely objective, unbelievable organization that cares about objectivity and truth, the Hamas-run health ministry. And nobody sees irony in that. Nobody gives a damn about the fact that they every day they're citing propaganda directly from the mouth of the propagandists. Now, I don't know how many people are killed in Gaza. It could be more, it could be less. I don't really care. So 100 people died, you know, waiting for aid to be delivered. According to the Israelis, those people died because they, uh, they uh, uh, basically, uh, you know, uh, attacked the aid trucks, 38 trucks that were coming in. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Palestinians are fed up with all this aid going to the hands of Hamas and Hamas deciding who gets it, Hamas keeping much of it, and them not getting it, and they're starving and they're hungry. They're starving and they're hungry not because of Israel. They're starving and they're hungry because of Hamas. And there was a stampede. People, people got stampeded on. And then they got run over by the trucks. More people got run over. They died from that. And then separately, a few hundred meters from there, this site, the, the, some frustrated Palestinians... Uh, started, you know, running towards an Israeli uh, a, a military unit that fight in the air, tried to stop them. They wouldn't stop. They shot them. But that's not the story the Hamas-run Ministry of Health tells. They're saying, no, Israel just opened fire on people peacefully, taking aid from the trucks. Israel just decided to kill 100 of them. What the hell? This will make good headlines. And of course, Biden and the leader of Qatar, the leader of Qatar, the funder of Hamas, the funder of ISIS, the funder of Al-Qaeda, a terrorist organization as a government. Joe Biden and the Emir Sheikh Tamim Al-Hamad, Al-Tamni or whatever, of Qatar, discussed the tragic and alarming incident that left more than 100 people killed in Gaza. <laughs> As if the Qataris care. I mean, the blood of everybody dying in Gaza is on the Qataris. They're the ones who have given safe haven to Hamas. They're the ones who sanctioned Hamas. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They're the ones who have given a home to Hamas. They're the ones who funded Hamas. So it's on them. Since all this blood is the responsibility of Hamas and the people who made them possible, the Iranians and the Qataris. In the meantime, in the UK, basically anti-Israeli pro-Hamas mobs are in charge. They get to, they get to decide what's going to happen. In Parliament last week, in a display of complete disgrace, members of parliament were free to vote on a provision regarding Gaza and Israel because they feared for their life. So there was a whole procedural thing and a whole mess and a whole disaster in, in parliament because members of parliament were afraid that if they voted wrong, i.e. anti the mob, they would get killed 
by the pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas mob in London or in the UK. These are members of parliament. It's gotten to the point where basically this mob, the, the London police is doing very little. Jews are afraid in London to go out of, let's say, synagogue or anywhere that identifies them as a Jew. And the mob, the, the pro-Hamas mob, is ruling. Uh, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, Sunak, the prime minister of, uh, of um, the UK, basically said, we can't have this anymore. He said that mob rule is replacing democracy in Britain. I mean, he said that, not me. It's ascending into mob rule. He said uh, he's allocated uh, a, a new budget for increased police security for members of parliament, but more broadly, he wants more of a crackdown on these mobs, on these thugs. Uh, now, what they do and how they do it and uh, whether the London Metropolitan Police, remember the, the mayor of London is a Muslim who is, uh, you know, I, I don't think he's an Islamist, but he's certainly not going to be critical of these protests. And the London police have been unbelievably tolerant towards the, uh, these, uh, these mobs uh, towards these protesters. Uh, shame on them. Shame on the police. You swore an oath. You, you have a job. Have some pride in your job. One of your responsibilities is maintaining the peace, is protecting people against violence. And these protests are violent protests. They need to stop. People need to be arrested. They need to be put in jail. They need to be real consequences for going out in the street of London and threatening threatening British citizens in the streets. All right. All right, some good news, although I'm sure some of you will not view this as good news. Um, figure AI, which is a startup company uh, to build humanoid ro robots, human-looking human-looking robots, uh, said on Thursday it's raised $675 million. That's a lot of money. At a $2.6 billion valuation, investors include Jeff Bezos, NVIDIA, and Microsoft. Figure AI is developing a general-purpose robot called Figure 01 that looks and moves like a human. Uh, they believe that uh, such robots will be used in manufacturing, shipping, and logistics, warehouses, and retailing, uh, and, and in uh, dangerous and just undesirable jobs. Uh, you know, the, the, the robots uh, look a little quite scary. Uh, but yeah, we are entering into a world in which we will have uh, far more sophisticated robots than we've had in the past. Hundreds of millions, billions actually, billions and billions of dollars are going into a variety of different robotic technologies. There's a Norwegian company uh, that is building a, uh, a, a humanoid robot. Uh, of course, uh, Boston Dynamics has many models of various uh, robots. Uh, Tesla is Tesla. The car company is building a humanoid robot called Optimus, uh, and uh, th there's going to be vast competition here. This is a uh, this is a, a, a huge segment, uh, an incredibly uh, you know it could change. Could change how work is done in America. Uh, work is done in the world. It could take away like mining jobs, uh, really, really dangerous jobs, jobs in nuclear power plants. Uh, and if you give these robots elements of uh, AI so that they can make simple decisions, uh, you, you allow them to become dramatically more flexible and uh, and and do a lot more. I, this is a, a really, really exciting. I think a really, really exciting. Uh, area, it's still nascent, it's still small, it's still starting. Uh, but uh, there's analysts at Goldman Sachs expect a humanoid robot market to reach 38 billion, 38 billion uh, by 2035. So that's what, uh, 11 years. 
Uh, and uh, and, more, and we'll have more than 250,000 units of humanoid robots shipped in uh, just in 2030. In 2030 alone, 250,000 of these units. So we're not talking about drones. We're not talking about ships. We're, we're not talking about, uh, you know, automated production lines. We're talking about robots that look like human beings. Uh, and we're talking about 250,000 of them shipped in one year, 2030. So uh, I can tell some of you are spooked by this. I can tell some of you are afraid. But I'm excited. I think this is great. I think this is great news. And uh, I'm looking forward to interacting with my first... I mean, real, I've interacted with robots, but I'm, I'm talking about a robot that, that at least has arms, legs, is, is, is you know, a head that looks at least uh, somewhat like a robot. Oh, we got a, a comment that was helped for review. Valkoron, you got to be careful there. Um, Valkoron wants to know when we get the sex robots. I don't know. I don't know. Matt Walsh is never going to approve the sex robots. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think that's going to be kosher. I don't think that's going to be right. All right. Um, by the way, YouTube held back that comment because it had the word sex in it. All right, that's all I had. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot more going on in the world, but we'll, uh, we'll, keep, uh, we'll keep catching up. Uh, these are the top stories uh, as screened by, the Iran, by Iran Brook. All right, let's jump into the, um, into the super chat. We've got about, you know, half, half the... the, the Dollars raised that we typically raise in a super chat. So uh, please consider supporting the show with a sticker or with a um, uh, you know, thank you, Kim, for the sticker. Thank you, Ovid, for the sticker. Let's see who else did a sticker. Did we get other stickers? Yeah, Mary Eileen. And that is it, I think. Okay. Um, so you can do a sticker, $199, $299, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever you feel like. You can also support the show on a monthly basis on Patreon. We really like Patreon or on uh, PayPal through com slash membership or, yeah, those are, those are the two good options. You can do it any other way you want. You can do it Venmo. By the way, if you're not using Super Chat to ask questions, you can't send me uh, money, one-time money with a question underneath it in, uh, through Venmo or through PayPal or through any, any Patreon or through anything. Just add a question. To whatever money you send, and I will answer it during a future show. I know I'm behind. I still owe you music. I still owe you two movies, and I owe you one painting. All of those reviews are coming. Uh, if anybody wants to sponsor a show, you get a whole show, your topic, uh, on a topic you want, any topic. You can sponsor a show. You can sponsor a series of shows. It's $1,000 a show. Uh, uh, please let me know. Let me know if you'd like to sponsor a show. It would be great if you did. Another way to support uh, the general program. And uh, finally, uh, we do have sponsors. One of the sponsors is the Ayn Institute, and uh, it's still looking for more. It has already quite a few, but it's looking for even more scholarship applications for the uh, March conference in Austin, Texas, uh, where you will have Greg Salamiri, Jason Ryans, Tara Smith, and Gina Gorlin as your professors. Who did I miss? I missed Ben Bear and Ben Bear. As your professors, uh, should be a phenomenal program. Uh, go to einrand.org slash start here, einrand.org slash start here. And uh, yeah, uh, I think, I, I, what's the downside of, of, of applying for a scholarship? A little bit of time. But if you get accepted, you get a free trip to Austin and these an amazing, amazing, amazing content, really amazing content, so. All right, let's do this. John says, this is a follow-up to the question yesterday. Do you think a successful businessman can have a healthy self-esteem if their company sell alcohol? Does alcohol differ from the disvalue that are illegal drugs in any significant fundamental way? Yes, I think it does. And, and I will revise my answer from yesterday. It is possible. It is possible. That once illegal drugs are legalized, people find ways to use them in responsible 
ways that enhance their lives. I don't want to rule that out. It's one of the things that making them illegal rules out. You're not going to risk that on illegal drug, but you might risk it on a legal drug. And I think that's true of alcohol, right? What, what happened with alcohol is that some people abuse it. Some people, I think, drink responsibly. They get a little bit of a buzz. Maybe they don't even get a buzz. They just like the taste. And they, they completely manage their consumption. And it's, you know, it's, it's very, the toxicity is minimal. Other people, like me, almost never drink alcohol. But once in a while, I don't know, once a week, a glass of red wine, it's great. So, you know, because I would say a majority of people, uh, you know, consume alcohol responsibly, that, yeah, I don't think a successful businessman, I don't think this would prevent them from getting self-esteem. There is definitely a value in alcohol. There's a certain health risk associated with it, and you can balance it out. But it's not addictive in the way cocaine is, and it's not destructive as the way heroin is or fentanyl or whatever. And, and people don't, very rarely, the people, you know, drop dead because of alcohol. It happens, but it's rare. And maybe it's quite possible that if drugs became legal, all these drugs that we've mentioned, these illegal drugs, that people would develop variety of strategies to microdose or or to have it in such low quantities or such low potency that it doesn't have the negatives and it does have some positives. So I don't rule out that some of these illegal drugs, they they will find positive things to do for them. Just like right now, there are real significant, um, advancements being made in using psychedelics, which are illegal, for psychiatric care, particularly post-traumatic stress disorder. The people go on mushrooms or they go on some form of LSD or microdose of LSD, and they can get over their post-traumatic stress. So, you know, you can't rule that out. And, And the reality is we won't know. We just don't know. Until we make it legal and allow people to experiment with it and, and, and see what kind of markets are created as a result of it. And if that were the case, if responsible use would develop by a significant majority of the people using the product, then I, I take back everything I said yesterday about self-esteem with regard to that. Right. So it's it's how it's used. If it's only destructive, then no, you can't get self-esteem. But if there's a productive use to it, then sure. I guess the real question is, can somebody who produces really shitty beer? (laughs) Anyway, um, Roosevelt. Happy Leap Day. Today is my stepmother's birthday, so she gets a birthday this year. She is very excited about it. That is cool. (laughs) Yep. Um, Leap years are fun, particularly for the people who have something to celebrate on this day. Michael Sanders, it seems like judges around the country are trying to stop Trump. Will they succeed? Um, I don't know that judges are trying to stop Trump. Maybe they are. But again, I don't think, I don't see any of the court cases, except maybe the one about paying hush money to the porn star, which is about to start, the criminal suit is about to start. Um, Except that one I don't think any of these uh, are frivolous. I don't think any of these are, you know, you could easily say, oh, no, this is completely frivolous, completely motivated by politics. Uh, Trump flouted the law. He, he did stupid things, like hide the documents when he knew the FBI was coming to look for them. Like he's a, he, he, he presented himself as above the law. It would be wrong not to prosecute him because then it basically says, well, if you're a former president, you can get away with anything. Nobody cares. Um, so I don't, I don't view it as judges around the country trying to stop Trump. Uh, I think uh, January 6th is a legitimate thing to go after him for. The question of whether that is resurrection or whether he should be kept off the ballot is a legitimate thing to consider. Probably the answer is no. He should still be allowed to be on the ballot. But it's not completely nuts to consider it. 
and indeed the Supreme Court is looking at it. They would have completely dismissed it if they, if they, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, thought it was completely dismissible. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see when they rule. They're going to rule soon. They'll probably dismiss it. They'll probably dismiss it by nine to zero, or very close to that, or eight to two, or something. Eight to one, nine to two. But uh, but yeah, I mean, Trump is a new phenomenon in American politics, in just the level of not caring about the law, the level of feeling himself above the law, the level of contempt for the rule of law and for his fellow Americans. I don't think any president ever has has had so much contempt for other Americans as Donald Trump has. And for reality, of course. Um, Let's see... So, will they succeed? Uh, I don't think that is what will prevent Donald Trump from being president. I think he'll find a way around all that. I think what will prevent him from being president is he'll lose the election. Although even that is not guaranteed. He might actually win it. But uh, right now, the polls are showing him leading in all the swing states. But it's very early, very difficult to tell. And um, as people start focusing on the election and start focusing on whether they really want Trump to have a second term, I'm, I'm not sure if that'll hold. I don't know. I'm not good at political forecasting. So um, certainly it, it, it didn't surprise me that Trump was elected the first time, but uh, certainly months in advance, I didn't expect it. Once it happened, it already built up so much that it seemed like it was going to happen, but months in advance, I didn't see it. Michael, does most cruelty boil down to envy? No, I mean, you have people who are cruel to animals. I think most cruelty boils down to self-hatred. I think most cruelty boils down to self-hatred. I don't think it boils down to envy necessarily. Iron Meerkat, in a world where all drugs are legal and we did not need to commit any crime, what would Walter White be a hero? P.S. Gaza must be destroyed. Um, Walter White would never do what he did because there'd be no profit in it. The whole point of what Walter White did was that he needed to make a lot of money. And because drugs are illegal, he could make a lot of money. But when drugs are legal, drugs are a commodity, and Walter White cannot do what he did. I mean, he can. But he can't make money at it. He, he'll make more money as a school teacher than making money at, you know, making, uh, what was it? Uh, um, God, uh, methamphetamines. So uh, competition drives the profit margin down to very, very low. What, why not make milk or make uh, cookies or make anything? Cooking meth would, be, would not be rewarded with a high profit margin because it would be legal. So the whole premise goes out the window. Uh, John says, thanks, Yaron. Great answer. That's more of what I was thinking, but never, but could never articulate it, uh, that you're the best. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Thanks for the support. All right, guys, we're pretty close to our target. Um, all right, James, I stand with Israel. Thank you, James. I do too on this issue at least. Uh, Emmett says, Judgment of Nuremberg, available now on Amazon. One of the, a great, great movie. A great, great movie of, of, with moral conviction, moral certainty, great acting. Long, but, but really important chapter in history that everybody should watch. I haven't seen it in many years. Uh, might be a good time to, 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 to watch it. Uh, Andrew, I know about the moral equivalencies, but do you think some otherwise civilized people are rooting for Russia to defeat Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people on the far right are rooting for Russia to defeat Ukraine. A lot of people. Now, are they otherwise civilized? I don't know. I don't know how you, how you want to categorize otherwise civilized. I think uh, Candace Owen is rooting for Russia to defeat Ukraine. I think at the end of the day, deep down, Tucker Carlson is rooting for Russia to defeat Ukraine. Are they civilized? I don't know. By the way, I watched a little bit of Tucker Carlson's interview with Lex Freedom. Um, 
I, I don't know that I can sit through the whole thing. Taka is so good as presenting himself as this innocent, um, just trying to do his job. Just, you know, he would go tomorrow to Ukraine. There's, he's got nothing against Ukraine. Um, just, you know, he loves America. He, you know, he, he don't, you know, just don't take too seriously the stuff he did in Moscow. He was really innocently surprised. And then he says to American people, he says, Americans need to go travel. Go to Kiev. Go to Moscow. Okay, I have. I've actually been to Moscow. And I've been to Kiev, more times to Kiev than to Moscow. And I hated Moscow. I had the exact opposite reaction that Tucker Carlson had to Moscow. What do you make of that, Tucker? So he, he makes himself out to be this innocent. Just He wants to see it with his own eyes. He just doesn't believe anybody. He, he wants, he's, he's rational, so he wants, to, he wants real proof. Um, it, it's sickening how... He does this, and then it's, it's so completely divorced from the reality of what he actually does, says, and who he interviews, and, and what he's done in his show for all these years. Right? He's, uh, you know, he's really disgusting, really disgusting. I need to open my eyes because Tucker Carlson went to the one exclusive grocery store in Moscow and was impressed by things that it would take a, a, a Russian a quarter of the income to buy. I mean, objective facts show that what Tucker Carlson did in Moscow is completely, utterly, unequivocally bogus and nonsensical. And anybody with even a just a just a reasonable mind could figure that exchange rates and income and a bunch of other things are relevant to how much groceries cost in a grocery store. I bet you if you go to Venezuela, socialism, you could fill up your grocery store with goods that are a lot cheaper than New York City. So we should all move to Venezuela. It's what he did in Moscow was disgusting and despicable, beneath contempt, and he should not get away with it. And, you know, and again, I think Lex was too soft on him, but at least Lex asked all the questions, which he did not do with Putin. So I haven't watched the whole thing. I, I might watch the whole thing. I might have some segments. It's always a pleasure on this show to ridicule and criticize and, and, and show how nasty and horrible Tucker Carlson is. And I promise to continue doing that, whether it's through this interview with Lex or other means. All right. Um, Silvano says, did you see Mitch McConnell announce his stepping down from the speakership? Yeah, I did. I, I, I didn't mention it in the news because it's just not that important. Uh, Mitch McConnell has been a middle of the road, kind of neither here nor there, Republican, forever, standard, fair, He's basically leaving, one, because he's old. He's 82, but he's the same age as uh, Biden and only a little older than Trump, and yet he's retiring. And, um, but he's really retiring because the Republican Party, you know, uh, has moved on. The Republican Party now is Trump's party. It's not Mitch McConnell's party. It's not Ronald Reagan's party. It's not, it's not a party of any value. It's it's Donald Trump's party. It's a party of populism, leftist economic policies, uh, leftist foreign policy policies, rightist social policies. And uh, I think Mitch McConnell doesn't want to be a leader in an environment where uh, he's got Donald Trump, who might be president, but if, even if he's not, he's the leader of the Republican Party, and a significant number of senators like J.D. Vance and Josh McHawley, who've been elected to the Senate, who are constantly going to be sniping at him uh, and, and advocating and pushing policies that he doesn't believe in. I think that's what it's all about. All right. Oivit says, go no, N-O-R-W-A-I. No, no, not no way, no why, no why, no why. All right. Uh, that's, a, that's a robotics company in Norway. Andrew, the leftists are yelping. 
yelping about the Supreme Court being politicized, do you sense a greater role of politics or is that a delusion of the leftist bias? It's a delusion of leftist bias. There's no question the leftist bias. I mean, look, the, the, the district attorney in New York ran on, uh, on a pledge to prosecute Trump about what? Well, she'd figure it out after she got the job. So, um, no, there's no question. Both parties are trying to politicize uh, the, um, the courts. I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think this is politicized. I think the question of immunity is important for the Supreme Court to rule on. It's important to categorize that and to, to put a line through that. Hopefully they will write on it, but, but uh, rule on that. Um, I also think there's probably disagreement among the conservatives. I don't think it's unanimity. I think uh, Alito and, uh, and what's his name? Alito and um, um, God. All right, it'll come to me. Uh, are very pro-Trump and they might be politicized in how they rule. I think other conservatives are not. I don't think Gorsuch and, and even Kavanaugh and even the woman, uh, what's her name, Roberts, and, and the woman, Barrett, I don't think they are going to vote because it's Trump. Um, so um, I, I, I don't think they're going to be swayed by Trump. But I do think Thomas and I do think Alito could be swayed because it's Trump. I do think they are more political. Roberts is political in the sense of wanting to keep the peace, but not political in the sense of voting Republican or voting for Trump or voting against Trump in that sense. But Thomas, I think, unfortunately, might be. When will there be a robot soldiers? I, you know, I think they, they're they already in development. They're already um, uh, robot vehicle type things with guns that could shoot. So, uh, I mean, what are drones? Drones in a sense. So it's just a matter of time and soon, I think, sooner rather than later. And at first they'll be just on wheels and then maybe they'll get some kind of other means of transportation. But they're already robotic weapons out there with no human being controlling them from afar, right? And some, some of them might be implanted soon with AI. Mary Aline, I've been given fentanyl in a hospital setting. It's a powerful painkiller that wears off very quickly, used properly. It's great. Yeah, I mean, there are painkillers, certainly the opioids, fentanyl among them, are incredible. Um, and, and I don't know how we could do a pain management without them. So that is not really, uh, it's, it's uh, and if they were legal, you know, a lot of people are dying right now because they're smoking marijuana or something and it's being laced with fentanyl. And, and, and they're laced with fentanyl to create addiction. So they keep coming back and buying this particular brand of marijuana. But sometimes they put too much fentanyl and they kill them. So, but if it was legal, there would be quality control of all these things. That's what legality provides, quality control of our products. I make a Trump or Biden coronavirus on both their houses. Coronavirus is too mild. Sorry. Something harsher than coronavirus. I make a Comrade Tucker is the Ellsworth Tui of the right. He knows what he's doing. I agree. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody's quite as conscious of their own evil as Ellsworth Tui is, but he's of that ilk. He's definitely a L- N Ellsworth Tui. Uh, Fender Hopper, John Stewart has returned to the Daily Show and Comedy Central. Might be worth checking out. He had a great piece on Tucker and Trump and Biden being very old, uh, free on YouTube. He's great via this medium. Thanks, Fender Hopper. Yeah, he is. He can be very funny. He's too much of a leftist, but he can be very funny. All right. On some issues, he's, he's particularly good. Thank you, guys. I will see you all tonight. Don't forget tonight. We've got a great doctor, a a, a real world-class expert on IVF. We'll talk about embryos. We'll talk about IVF. We'll talk about fertility. We'll talk about abortion bans. We'll talk about all of that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, If you have any questions about these issues, are embryos alive? What does it mean for IVF that embryos are categorized as human beings? Does that change anything in terms of fertility treatment? Can the Republicans fix this? recognize that embryos are alive, but also have IVF. Is there an IVF where they don't throw away any embryos? Is any of that possible? Those are great questions uh, uh, for tonight. 7 p.m. East Coast time. I'll see you all there. Thank you. And uh, yeah, see you soon. Bye, everybody.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.